Hi, I'm Wayne Heinsohn, the pastor of Grace Church Australia. Thanks so much for checking out this podcast. We hope it is inspirational and it equips you to make known the name of Jesus. You can stay connected with us during the week by going to gracegathering.online. Well, thanks for joining us once again for this online gathering of Grace Church. It is so good to have you with us. My name is Pastor Wayne and honoured and feeling very blessed to be able to share a message with you today. But I just want to encourage you if uh, you're joining us online and you've got family or friends, neighbours, work colleagues that you've been uh, having God conversations with and you want to invite them along, I encourage you to do that because one of the great things, one of the blessings that come out of this statewide lockdown that we find ourselves in at the moment is that we can invite people along and it's very comfortable for them. It's not threatening. They can be at home and watch from their lounge room, their bedroom, wherever it might be. They might even wear their PJs. So it's a nice soft introduction uh, to who we are here at Grace Church. So today what I want to do is continue a thought that we sort of started last week. And my message today is called corrective perspective because I think perspective is a funny thing. Two people can be looking at exactly the same thing, but they can see very, very different things. They can uh, take away very different things. They can have very different understandings by looking at the same uh, set of data, for example, or you know, looking at the same picture, whatever it might be. So it's, it's a pretty weird kind of thing, I know. Um, but what we wanna do today is really focus in on what's God's perspective in things. And so that's why this message is called Corrective Perspective, because sometimes what we need to do is correct our perspective, the, the way that we're looking at things or the way that we're thinking about things, and actually actually realign that so it's uh, in the same zone as God's perspective when it comes to things. So uh, hopefully uh, you'll find this morning's message beneficial. I want to pray for you before we get into it. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, Lord God. We thank you that uh, you are who you say you are, uh, that you are a promise maker, you are a promise keeper, Lord God. And whether we're on the top of the mountain or whether the mountain is before us, we thank you that you are in control. I pray this morning as we we gather together. I pray that the words that come out are your words, Lord God. I pray that uh, they reach into the depths of souls and spirits this morning and continue that process of transformation in each and every one of us. And we pray this today in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Well, we're going to spend some time in the book of Philippians over the next couple of weeks. There's a lot that I want to sort of dig into. There's so much gold when it comes to corrective perspective. But as we begin, can I give you some context? Because context always helps us to make sure that we have the right perspective when it's our life or when we're digging into the Word of God. So when it comes to the book of Philippians, it's a letter that you probably know was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. Now, we know that Paul started this church on one of his missionary journeys and uh, his, his goal in life his personal mission was to go out to share the gospel, lead people to Christ. Then what he'd do is he'd raise up leaders and he would start churches in numerous places uh, around the area where he had visited. And that is how the church at Philippi came to be. And it's actually um, uh, about 52 AD, roughly about 20 years after 
Jesus was um, was crucified and then rose again, that Paul started this church in Philippi. So 52 AD. And it's very clear as you read the letters that he wrote to the church that Paul had this deep, deep love and affection for the church in Philippi and for the people of that church. So the book of Philippians is written about 10 years after the church was established. So if you're doing your numbers, that's about 62 AD. And Paul's writing to the church, to the Philippians, in response to something that they did for him. Because Paul was actually in a time of very significant needs, and the people took up a love offering, their version of that back in the day, to send to him. Now, normally, as you know, if you've read any of Paul's writings, he wouldn't receive a financial gift. He was um, very uh, self-sufficient, and he would just say, hey, look, I don't want to be a burden to you. I'd much rather that you as the church, that you would spend the money that you would give to me as an offering, spend that on the work of the ministry, spend that to uh, reach the community where you are. He never imposed uh, or asked for a financial gift. But when it came to this church in Philippi, because of the relationship that Paul had with the church, he received the financial gift that they had for him. So we don't know all the detail. We don't know what sort of conversations were going backwards and forwards. But what we do know is that Paul was blown away by the generosity of the church in Philippi. And he wrote this heartfelt and deeply emotional letter to them. As well as that, he also mingled in, which he does very, very well, I've got to say, some gentle and loving instruction for the church. So that's the background of where we find ourselves when it comes to the book of Philippians. It's important that we know that context in order to get the richness of scripture that we're going to dig into today. If you know Philippians, you would know that there is one unmistakable theme that weaves its way right through that book in our Bibles, and it is the theme of joy. In fact, we see joy or we see rejoice or words that are similar to that at least 19 different times in the book of Philippians. So you know it's repeated again and again and again. Therefore, it is something that is important that God wants us to grab hold of and The thing with Paul is that this massive joy that he has actually comes out of a place of hardship for him because the reality is he didn't actually have, in the natural, he didn't have too many reasons to be so joyful and to be writing a letter to the church in Philippi that was filled with this theme of joy again and again and again. And that's because at the time that this was written, Paul, his joy-filled letter of appreciation, was written from a Roman prison. He'd been there for two years. He'd been locked down for the two-year period. And uh, we read about that in Acts 28, I think it is, where uh, it tells us that Paul spent two years in prison. What was his crime? His crime was preaching the gospel. And so that's the context that we find ourselves. Now, I want you to try and imagine. So we're in lockdown and have been, depending on where you are in New South Wales, for a few weeks or a couple of months. So we get some sense of what it's like to be locked down, but nothing 
uh, like Paul. So we can still, for example, go out to the shops. We can go out to exercise. Uh, we do have some freedoms, but Paul didn't have that. He was stuck in this prison 24 hours a day, seven days a week for two years. And not only that, he was chained to a Roman soldier at all times. All times chained to a soldier couldn't go anywhere. And I was thinking about this yesterday as I was preparing this message, and I thought it kind of, I guess, puts our lockdown into perspective, doesn't it? Paul definitely didn't have the freedoms that we have, even though, of course, you know, we have some restrictions and people are struggling. But I guess like this message today and, and the ones that will follow are a little bit about that, about maintaining perspective of our situation. And I remember reading uh, last week about a, an elderly man who had been through a uh, some wars and had been through this and been through a, a, a lot of things in history that were really, really terrible. And they spoke to this man, I think he was 101, something along those lines. And they said, oh, you must be really struggling when it comes to this global pandemic and all the lockdowns. And I'll paraphrase, but essentially he said, do you know what? This is nothing compared to some of the things that I have been through in my lifetime. And for me, it was just a good reminder about the importance of perspective. Let's get back to Paul, because if you know Paul, you would know that his dream, because he wrote about it many times, was always to take the gospel to Rome. He wanted to go to Rome. He wanted to be there as a preacher. But instead, he wound up going to Rome as a prisoner. And that situation could very much have taken away Paul's hope. It could have seen him slide into depression uh, due to his current circumstances. And, and thankfully, it didn't. Uh, but think about for you, maybe think about for me, how many times have, have we, have you or me, allowed a disappointment or an unanswered prayer or an unexpected change of plans to actually rob us of the joy that we have in God? I know that I have had those times, I've had those moments, and and they're not a healthy place to actually be. And, you know, I thought about just this last couple of weeks, my family and I, we were supposed to be in Cairns. We were supposed to be swimming in the pool and diving the Great Barrier Reef. And uh, I almost forgot about it because we cancelled it a few weeks ago when lockdown got implemented and those kind of things. But, you know, the Holy Spirit reminded me and just said, hey, you were supposed to be there. And it almost felt like a little bit of a challenge, like has the fact that you couldn't take this family trip to Cairns that you'd planned for quite some time, has that robbed you of your joy? And very easily it could have, but I didn't allow my circumstance to rob me of the joy that God has for me and for my family. So we just took a corrective perspective on that. Now, are we disappointed that we didn't get to do that? Absolutely we are. Are we the only people that are disappointed because plans are being changed? Not at all. You probably have had things as well where you've wanted to go and visit family or you've wanted to take a holiday or you've just wanted to, I don't know, go and do something that you're currently not allowed to do. I understand understand that and I don't want to minimize that at all. But I think if we maintain the correct perspective on things, then our joy will stay with us no matter what it is that we're going through. And this is what we see in Paul. He didn't let his imprisonment rob his joy because as we're going to see, he had a change of perspective, even in the middle of another significant setback. 
Paul's desire was to get the gospel to Rome, to preach about Jesus, to share the good news. But he had another setback in terms of being in a Roman prison. Setbacks maybe is an understatement, I'm not sure. But my hope is for everyone that is with us today here for Grace Church Online, that no matter what you are going through, no matter your present condition, no matter what your Rome is in your life right now, that God can give you joy through all of it. I very much hope that that is the case. So what I want to do today is dig into the first chapter of Philippians. So we're going to just look at a first few verses, beginning at verse one. Here's what actually verse two is where we'll start. Here's what we read. May the blessings of divine grace and supernatural peace that flow from God, our wonderful Father and our Messiah, the Lord Jesus, be upon your lives. If ever there was a verse that we needed to hear today, oh, isn't it that? I want to speak that over you today. Divine grace supernatural peace, the almighty blessings of God. I want to speak that over you, over your family and over our community and our nation right now. As we've shared over the last couple of weeks, God is good. And I pray that his goodness will continue to help you as to keep kingdom perspective and a correct perspective as we navigate through those things that are going on in each of our lives right now. Divine grace, supernatural peace. I hope that you can receive that this morning because that's very much what we see is happening with Paul in the next couple of verses. In verses three and four, remember he's been in prison for two years as he writes this, but here's what he says. My prayers for you are full of praise to God and I give him thanks for you with great joy. Can you see the emotion that comes out of the words that Paul has written? Now, we can just read those couple of verses and go, oh, okay, yeah, um, Paul's got some joy and he wants to bless the church in uh, Philippi. But that's not the case. He is writing from a difficult place, but he is writing such a, a letter that is full of encouragement and it is full of emotion. Can you see in the phrasing, the fullness of what Paul is saying. Let's look at some of those phrases. He uses great joy. He says, full of praise. Uh, these aren't just passing words of happiness. These aren't, you know, things that are conditional upon our circumstances. They are something that are coming from the depths of Paul's being. So even though he's in prison, he can still share out of that particular place. Um, that he is in, in terms of his relationship with, with God, because his joy and his gratitude, his ability to rejoice aren't coming from his surroundings. They're actually coming from that relationship that he has, as we read there in that verse, from his wonderful father. And that too has to be the case for you and for me. The joy that we have has to come from our relationship with God. Now, in the next couple of verses, we see that um, Paul takes it a step further. The second part of verse four and into verse five says this, I'm so grateful for our union. Can you see Paul once again is, is um, rejoicing and full of joy for the relationship that he has with the church there in Philippi. I'm so grateful for our union and our enduring partnership that began for the first time I presented to you the gospel. 
Paul knows that even with his current circumstances, there's more going on than he can understand. He knows that if his life were to end at this point of time as he writes this letter, or if his life was to continue but he would remain in prison for the rest of his days, he knows that he has equipped the believers in Philippi to continue the work that he has started. He has raised up some leaders. The church obviously has started. He has equipped them for the work of the ministry. And that's why he talks about this great partnership with them. He knows that nothing is going to get in the way of the gospel being shared and the kingdom advancing. And of course, that's Paul's mission in life. That is exactly what his purpose was uh, once, you know, Jesus handed the baton onto him, if I can uh, put it that way. And if we go into verse six, we actually see that played out. Here's what we read. I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this gracious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is full of great faith. He is fully convinced that God is going to do what he said he is going to do. And out of that fullness comes that overflow that he is sharing in this letter to the, the, uh, the church in Philippi. There's no doubts. There's no second guessing. There's no questioning, even though Paul continues to languish in this Roman prison. Paul has confidence in both the character and the nature of his wonderful father. And so he confidently and expectantly speaks this out to the believers in the church in Philippi. It's such a great encouragement for you and for me that no matter our circumstances, we too can be like Paul. And can I challenge you just for a moment and ask, if you are fully convinced that God is in control, despite the lockdowns and the restrictions that we find ourselves in here in New South Wales, Australia, are you full of great faith, even though there is bad news coming from all angles? I was doing some pastoral calls this week and a couple of people said, I'm just not listening to the news anymore. I'm not engaging with it because of all the negativity that is coming my way. And that's such a, a healthy place to be. I wonder if you have the same confidence that Paul had despite all that was going on in his life and maybe all that's going on in your life at this point of time. I know it can be hard to maintain that posture when things look pretty dim, when things aren't looking great. But as we see shortly, as long as we maintain the right perspective, we can actually not only do it, we can also do it with joy. That might be hard for you to believe today, but it is the truth. And so as we go to verse seven, we actually see that Paul thanks the, the church for the role that they have played in uh, keeping faith and seeing um, things from a different perspective during his time in prison. Here's what he writes in verse seven of Philippians one. It's no wonder I pray with such confidence since you have a permanent place in my heart. You have remained partners with me in the wonderful grace of God, even though I'm here in chains for standing up for the truth of the gospel. 
I love that part even though I'm here in chains. And as I read that, I don't know if I'm reading something in, into it, but as I read it, I, I make the assumption that Paul is saying, I'm here in chains, but do you know what? This isn't actually the place that I want to be. I'm not choosing to be locked up in a prison and chained to a guard all day, every day. But Paul also knows that the Philippians are going to be very, very concerned about him because of that fantastic relationship so that they have. And so at this moment, if Paul could change anything, it would be that he would be out of these chains, he would be free to preach the gospel, and I think to be with the church in Philippi and the believers and to be able to reassure them in person. But even if I am in chains, even though I am here in chains, and I wonder if maybe you and me, if we're just a little bit like Paul when it comes to things that are going on in our lives. I wonder if we're honest about that, if we could say, you know what, I really wish that there were some things in my life that weren't as they are right now. I really wish that God would change some things about my life. Now, obviously, um, you know, if we were meeting together in person, I'd get you to raise your hands just as a, a, a demonstration of agreement, I guess. But you can do that at home if, if you want to. I can't see, but if you're watching uh, church this morning with someone, of course, they'll be able to see. But I thought about it like this. and I wonder if it's human nature that we always are hoping things would be different. Cast your mind back to when you were a kid. Did you ever wish that you were older when you were a kid? I know that I certainly did, uh, because it seemed to me growing up that the adults had all the fun. They could do anything that they wanted. They always had money to pay for things. Uh, they were always tall enough to reach the top shelf of the milk bar, because that's where all the good things seemed to be kept. Um, they, they always seemed to be able to do everything that they wanted to do. And as a kid, I thought, oh, I so want to be older. So I want to be a grown up now rather than, you know, allowing the, the course of time to progress. Um, so I wanted to be older when I was younger. But now as I get older and I've got more responsibilities, I've got to be honest and say that there are moments when I wish that I was younger. I know when I was younger, for example, I didn't have some aches and pains in my body that are starting to come out now. Maybe you can relate to that. I didn't have the responsibilities that I have now. You know, pastoring a church, uh, leading my family, my six kids, uh, all those responsibilities that come with being a grown-up. And in a sense, life seemed so much simpler and so much easier when I was younger. And so I'm thinking, Oh, now that I'm older, I wish I was younger. Now, of course, that's just an example and it could be for, for you. I don't know, maybe you're not satisfied with your house. Maybe you're not satisfied with your job. Maybe it's your neighbors. You wish you had different neighbors. I think sometimes when my kids are arguing in the backyard, sometimes my neighbors wish that uh, we weren't living where we are. Uh, maybe you wish you had a different husband, a different wife, maybe different friends. Maybe, you know, it's your weight that you're not satisfied with. Whatever it is, the list could go on and on, I'm sure. But ultimately, we can look at our lives and we can think, I just wish that there was something different 
in my life than as it is now. And if you've ever felt like that, and I think, you know, we all have at some point in time, maybe you're feeling like that right now. I want to give you just two thoughts today that I hope you'll take away and you'll uh, just ponder upon and think upon them and meditate upon them. And I hope that they will give you a uh, corrective perspective when it comes to that kind of thinking. Now, the first of those is this. We all have a what, but we don't understand the why. We all have a what, but we don't understand the why. Now, I wonder if you can understand what it is that I'm actually talking about there. There's a what, there's this what, this thing that's going on in your life, but we don't understand why it's not different. I don't understand. Maybe you've prayed something like this or you've thought this. I don't understand why the Lord is allowing me to go through this situation that I find myself in. Or maybe it's along the lines of, I don't understand why God hasn't answered my prayers and rescued me and taken me out of this place that I find myself. Have you ever cried out and said, God, why don't you do something about the what that is in my life? God, why aren't you hearing me? Why, 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 why? Because I think at different seasons of our life, all of us at some point of time have had a what, but we don't understand the why. The corrective perspective on that is to always remember that God has a why behind our what's. Our challenge, and this is challenging, but our challenge is to accept and believe that God has a why. For Paul, he had to believe there was a, a reason his what was being in prison. But for Paul, he had to believe the why, i.e. that there was a reason that he had been in this prison for two years. Paul had no idea what it was. Maybe for you, for me right now, We've got a what in our life. We don't understand the why behind it and we're trying to figure it out. Can I just say, God always, I'm going to underline, always has a why. God is not a God that wastes hurt or disappointment or frustration. Everything that we go through in our life has a purpose. I've said this before. There is no waste in the kingdom of God. He uses every little bit that we go through as we walk this earth and he uses it to further the kingdom and to build up us. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And if we think about, for example, Isaiah 55, I think it's verses 8 and 9 from the Message Translation. Here's what it says. I don't think the way you think, the way you work isn't the way I work. This is God obviously speaking. For as the sky soars high above earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work and the way I think is beyond the way you think. God's ways don't always make sense to us, but we have to believe by faith that his goodness is in amongst everything that we go through. Now, nor do we always get the chance to know the why as we go through the what journey. Okay, As we're journeying through something and we're, we're trying to figure it out, we don't know the why most times at that point of time. 
we get to understand it at some point down the track. And then that's when we get the opportunity to reflect and go, oh, I can see why God was doing that. I can see why this happened, why that happened. And we put those pieces of the puzzle together. That's not when we're on the journey. It's usually on reflection once that part of the journey has finished. God is good through and through. He is in control of your situation. He's in control of my situation. He's in control of the situation we find ourselves here at the moment with, uh, you know, increasing cases of, uh, of COVID and the pandemic and lockdown, etc., etc., etc. God is working all things together for your good. He is working all things together for your good. God knows what he's doing. And more importantly than that, he knows why he is doing it. Now, I've got to say with the whole COVID situation, I just don't understand why it's happening at the moment. I know a lot of people don't. They're scratching their heads and they're going, why, why are we going through this? Uh, you know, why is there um, so much speculation and, and division? Like we've become such a society now that is divided. People are hurting. People are fearful. Decisions are being made without respect for humanity and for personal suffering. It's all become about numbers and people seem to have got lost in that equation. I don't understand that. I don't understand what's happening in Afghanistan right now and the terrible situation there. Make sure you're praying for our brothers and our sisters in Christ who uh, are going to face some severe persecution, so much so that a lot of them uh, are just saying their goodbyes. Literally, they're expecting within the next week or two um, that they will be martyred for their belief because they've been asked to deny Christ and to turn from him. They're saying no, and that's going to be the outcome. Why is that happening to believers in Afghanistan? I don't know. The earthquake that happened just a few days ago in Haiti. Why are we seeing that again and again and again? There's so much that's going on in our world right now. And I simply just can't get my head around it. Maybe you're in the same place as well. You're trying to just figure out why is this all happening? For me, and I hope this is true for you, I've, I'm at a place where I have confidence that God knows why it is happening. I don't. But he knows exactly why everything is happening. And I have to believe because he knows why it's happening, it's part of a much bigger and better plan that he has for the world that we live in. What does that look like? I don't know. But what I do know is that God's goodness is with us as followers of Jesus. His goodness is with us in our community despite the lockdown. His goodness is with us in our beautiful nation and the nations of the world. That's what I do know. And so I say that with confidence because I know that God can take what the enemy meant for evil. And because God is so, 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 so good, he can turn that attack of the enemy into something good, different perspective. He can take a trial, something in you that you're going through right now that's developing character in you and he can build your faith because of the difficult time that you are going through. God is working in all things to bring about good. All things to bring about good. God has a why in the what that we don't understand. Second thought for you today. I don't have to understand the why 
to trust God in the what. I don't have to understand the why. We want to understand the why. Let's be honest. We want to know the why, but we don't have to understand the why to trust God in the what. Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6, reading from the Message Translation. Fantastic verse. It's very well known. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. We don't have to understand everything to trust God. Trust is built out of that relationship. It comes out of uh, the faith that we have in him, even though we might want to have all the answers. And I know many, many years ago, one of the blockages I had to receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior was the fact that I wanted to know all of the whys. I had a bunch of questions, questions I still have, mind you, uh, that I wanted answered before my analytical mind would allow me to believe the truth in who Jesus said he was. And I had to get to a point in my personal life where I had to be comfortable saying, look, I'm not going to understand all of the whys. I'm not going to get all the answers to the questions that I want in order for me to receive Jesus. And it might not be about salvation. Maybe you're with us today and it is. Maybe you've got some God questions. You're thinking, well, until I get those answered, I'm not going to believe in all this stuff that they're talking about at that church. Well, I'm going to tell you some of those answers, some of the whys just aren't going to come your way this side of eternity. It's just who God is, but it builds in us trust and faith in him. We don't have to know the why behind everything that goes on in our life to be able to trust God. And so often I think, you know, we want to know the why, but I actually think God protects us from knowing because we simply don't have the capacity to absorb it and to carry it all. It's like when you're a parent, if you're a parent and you've got kids, whether they're young at home right now, or maybe they're grown up, but you would have had times when something has gone on in the family. It might be, you know, the the death of a grandparent. Uh, It could be some financial issues, whatever it is, but it's been pretty heavy and it's been so heavy that you've wanted to protect your kids from it because you know they just don't have the capacity to understand it all. And I know for me, when I was 10 or 11, something like that, we were living in a beautiful part of Victoria. Uh, It's called Upway. It's at the foot of the Dandenong Ranges. And um, I'd grown up in a single parent household for a number of years. And we bounced around from house to house because my mum was a single mum. There were two boys and, uh, you know, we were just basically just trying to survive. But eventually what happened is that my mum remarried and as a family, we bought our first ever family home. Now, I don't remember too much about it, but I know it was at this fork of of a road in Upway. I know that one year it snowed uh, right on our house and out in our street. We really enjoyed that. Uh, And I know that uh, one time uh, we had a cat that had some kittens. It's strange the things that you remember, isn't it, when it comes to that? But, uh, you know, we were very, very settled in this house as a family. And one day, our parents came to talk to uh, my brothers and myself, and they said, um, 
we're, we're going to move out of this house. And my brothers and I, we were devastated. And we're like, oh, wh- why? You know, why, why do we have to move out of this house? This is so great. You know, we've got our own rooms and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and all those kind of things. And at that point of time, our parents told us the what, i.e. we're moving out of this house, but they didn't actually explain to us the why. All we knew is what our parents had told us that we had to move and we had to trust them in that. And it wasn't until much later, many years later, in fact, when I was older and I was able to comprehend things that my parents actually had a conversation with me. And they explained that they'd gotten behind on their mortgage payments. Interest rates at that time were close to 20%. So, uh, you know, getting behind was was a terrible time to get behind on your mortgage payments. And essentially what happened was uh, the, the bank repossessed the house and we were evicted from the property. Now at 10 or 11 years of age, there's no way that I could have understood all of what actually that entailed and what all of that meant. And I wouldn't have known about, you know, mortgages and repossessions and all those kind of things. And so my parents protected me up to the point where I was old enough to understand the why behind the what. And the same is true for God in your life, in my life, and in the life of Paul. So can I encourage you, instead of asking that why question of God, can you ask him what? And more than that, ask him, now what? Now, it's great. Say, God, I don't like what's going on in my life right now, but now what? What is the next thing? I don't understand this, God, but I trust you. I trust you with the why. And all I want to know is what's the what that you want to show me? What is it that you want to do in me? Remember, God is using everything to build us our faith, to make us more and more like Jesus. There's no waste in the kingdom. So there's always going to be um, what that we can grab hold of. There's always a reason. There's always a why behind everything that we go through, even this lockdown that we're in. And we see that very much uh, for Paul. Because he says in verse 12, as he writes to the church in Philippi, here's what he says. I want you to know, dear ones, what has happened to me has not hindered, but helped my ministry of preaching the gospel, causing it to expand and spread to many people. Hold on a minute here. Paul is in prison. He's chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day, but he says that that hasn't stopped him from preaching the gospel and from his ministry expanding. More than that, Paul actually says that his imprisonment has actually helped his ministry. How is that possible? How can Paul have that perspective on things while he's locked down in prison? How can he see beyond the chains and the prison walls beyond his ability to be free in public spaces to share the gospel, to actually have a perspective that prison has been a blessing. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. So I I wondered, why? Why is Paul thinking like that? Now, what I want to do is remind you that Paul's heart was always to take the gospel to Rome. It had always been to reach the city of Rome. And when Paul was in prison, here's the reality of his existence. Every six hours, there would be a change of guard. So 
Paul would actually be chained to a different guard four times a day. So a guard would come in and do a shift of six hours, another one would come, so the second guard would chain themselves to Paul, the third one, etc., etc., etc. So all of a sudden, Paul actually finds himself chained to the leaders of the day that have tremendous influence, the imperial guard. Think about that. Paul has got the ear, because they're so close together, they're chained together. He's got the era of the imperial guard. And suddenly, at this point in time, when you understand that, the why of Paul's imprisonment becomes obvious. God has placed Paul in this position because he's given him a captive audience with some of the most powerful people in Rome. Mind blown is how I thought about it when I had this revelation. Paul wouldn't have done it that way. Paul probably would have, you know, followed the plans that he had laid out to reach Rome. But that's not the plan that God had for him. And so as Paul is in the prison, he's reminded that God's plans are higher and better than any plans that Paul can make for himself. Now, we've just scratched the surface when it comes to this passage of scripture from Philippians 1, and we don't have time today to keep digging in, but I do want to encourage you to continue reading from verse 13 onwards, because there is some beautiful poetic language that is used that helps us to see this corrective perspective thought that Paul had while he was in prison. But as we draw to a close today, I want us to acknowledge together that there are times in your life, there are times in my life when we're going to come up against things where we say, this isn't good. You know, this situation, this medical report, this bank balance, this relationship, it's not good. And at those points of time, we can say things along the lines of, I just don't see God doing anything here. I don't feel his presence. I don't understand what's going on. There's nothing good that can come out of this. When, not if, but when you get into that space, because we're all going to have those moments at some point of time where we think that or where we feel that. What I want want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you to stop and I want you to correct your perspective. I want you to realize that our God is big enough and he actually specializes in working through things that we don't understand. It's almost like when we get to things that we don't understand, that we that we give God the space that he needs to do what he wants to do. Uh, you know, because we've got, oh, oh, it's out of my hands, I can't do it. And that's when God actually steps in. We serve a God who can turn what we call obstacles into divine opportunities so that he can show himself and be glorified. We serve a God that can take what we call setbacks and he can actually turn them into setups for him to be glorified and for us to make a difference in our families, in our workplaces, in our communities and in our nation. What the enemy meant for evil, God can actually use for good in the middle of that thing that you and I wouldn't choose. That's what he has done in Paul's situation. Paul would never have chosen to be locked to a guard in this Roman prison. 
But God used that and brought about good out of Paul's situation because God specializes in those kind of things. That's his specialty. You may not see the purpose, but God can give you a corrective perspective if you just ask him to do so. We all have a what and we all don't understand the why. The good news is that God always has a why behind every what that goes on in my life, in your life, and in those of the people that we love. There is always a reason behind what you are going through in life. We don't have to understand the why, but we do need to trust God through that journey of the what. So when you've got something going on in your life and you you don't really understand what it's all about, simply just ask God, now what? What do you want me to do? Don't ask why, just ask him now what? What is it that you want me to do? What do you want to do in me? What is it that you want to do through me, maybe in the life of somebody in your sphere of influence? What is it that you want to show me through this season of what? When you ask God those probing questions, when you allow yourself, you, you, you um, surrender and you let down your guard and you actually allow him to speak to that, you get a glimpse of God's perspective in your present circumstances. It helps to give us that corrective perspective so that like Paul, you can celebrate and be full of joy and expectation no matter what you're going through, even if that's a global pandemic and a lockdown in your region. Can I just encourage you today, church, correct your perspective, align your perspective with God's kingdom perspective, and I promise you, you will see God's goodness with each step that you take. To hear more podcasts from Grace Church Australia, make sure you subscribe and stay connected by going to gracegathering.online.